Welcome to Boardroom Soldiers, the podcast that talks to owner-operated businesses about identifying and eliminating business crime so that the honest can take their hard-earned money home. From your hosts, uh, Pierre Gildenhuis, GM of DNK, myself, Kyle Condon, um, owner of DNK Investigations, uh, we welcome our esteemed guest, Mr. Daniel Crano, who is the CEO of the Invictus Group. Um, a position, Daniel, you've held since inception, yeah. 20, 2002. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for the welcome. Uh, yeah, with over 25 years of experience in the labor law field, um, you're seen as a leading expert in the field itself. I know you've been on or spoken in various publications. You've been published on, on various matters. Um, your thoughts and opinions on the labor law environment is obviously well well known and respected. Um, so it's a, it's a pleasure for us to have you here as investigators. Uh, it's great to give our listeners, our clients, um, an opportunity to perhaps hear from your side um, what it is that labor law representatives, attorneys, etc. do. Um, I know that the Invictus Group is one of the biggest companies in your field. Um, you've got a proven track record. You have offices in Cape Town, Durban and Johannesburg. Uh, you have a huge social media trend um, and can be found, obviously, on the, the various social media platforms like LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. So I would recommend that after the show, when someone's heard the show, they should go and, and, and have a look um, at the Invictus. You can give us later uh, your handles and stuff where we can, obviously, people can go and visit that. But as for today's show... Um, let me just, uh, again, warm welcome to our listeners, uh, new and old. Uh, boardroom Soldiers, the, the history behind Boardroom Soldiers is obviously for us, as business investigators, we find that you know, running a business in today's day and age can at some stages feel like you're in a war. Um, your boardroom can become a battlefield. And one thing I've learned over the past 30 years um, is that, you know, you need a toolbox of sources, allies, uh, typically soldiers in your corner. The Boardroom Soldiers uh, acronym and name came from the fact that it's all great to run business, but when you've got to go to war, you, you, you're going to need some people in suits and ties who are prepared to get down and dirty for you, which is where we come into play um, and obviously through the years have met um, good folks like yourselves and respected companies that are not only out there in the, the typical trenches um, and rolling up your sleeves and representing clients, clients both ours and yours, um, but that is what the, the, the history behind the show is. And um, today will be a perfect opportunity just to touch on a few of these things. Uh, we may have to do a follow-up show. There's so much we could really talk on when it comes to uh, the, the the background and um, how important labour law is. Is it correct for me to to say labour law? Is that is that the correct way to say it? Look, I mean, the 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 formal term is probably industrial relations. Okay. I mean, if you go to varsity, you study industrial relations. Okay. Not right. just labour labour law. law. Yeah. Okay. But um, yeah, your analogy with war is actually very interesting, because. In the labor law field, it's probably like any other field. It's not about war. It's more about the battles and daily skirmishes. Yes, yes. Okay? That's, that's and, you know, it's not just one battle and you're done. It's, uh, it's a daily it's battle. Many. It, it's, it's ongoing. The more staff you have, the more battles you're going to ah, have. That's no, just the way it goes. I think that's, I think that's an important point. Um, 
now that you mentioned that, I have this sort of cynical outlook that I suppose has come with years of, of sort of dealing with the corrupt side of business and the criminal element in the workplace. But my view is, if you've got more than one member of staff, you have a problem. And it sounds terrible, but that's how it is. And obviously, it's, it's not literal. But the more staff you have, the more propensity there is for issues. And that's where, obviously, you guys are now well, playing a huge role. Well, every single employee you have have got their own issues. They've got uh, their own problems in life, their own levels of performance. And, you know, n nobody is uniform. If we could be uniform, life would be very boring indeed. Indeed it would. Yeah. Tell me, and, and for the sake of, of those listening, in a nutshell, Invictus, a, what is, what is the name Invictus? Where was that derived? And what is it that you do your elevator pitch in the sense of what Invictus does and delivers your solutions? What are they? What do you do? Yeah, okay, so let me give you a little bit of background because it's actually quite interesting. Well, to me it is. Um, so when I studied law at university, we still had to study Latin. <laughs> okay. 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 I'm not kidding. Yeah. Okay. okay. These days for anybody listening who's a, a current attorney or we only had to do LLB, yeah, I've got words for you. Okay. We had to do Latin. Okay. Now, if you look at the history of South African law, our law is based on a combination of Dutch, English, and Roman law, mm -hmm. okay, which is Latin. So okay. we have a lot of Latin expressions in law. Okay. And the word Invictus was first recognized when the poem that Nelson Mandela read the 1995 World Cup team was called Invictus. And the movie. Okay, and the movie was called after the poem. Okay. Exactly. Now, for anybody listening who wants to read the poem, I'm giving you a heads up. It is the most depressing piece of poetry you will ever read in your life. Okay. The word Invictus means overcome in a direct translation. Okay, and that is where the word comes from, that it's got Latin connotations, but also a South African connotation in terms of the word. And that's why we chose that. Interesting. So if you go look at our logo, yeah. okay, I'm not punching my camera, I'm just telling you no, no. on that. Because <laughs> this, this is related. Okay. The logo is Sedant Armatore, okay. which means let arms give way to the toga. So instead of fighting wars, have it decided in a Senate or in a legal setting where in Roman courts everybody wore togas in the Senate. Mm -hmm. oh, and that's the, the, so, the translation and that's the connection. The, the, pen, the pen is mightier than the sword. Well, and in your, okay, I a, think we've seen that in, in business. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Um, Pierre, just in what Daniel's explained there, I think that word um, overcome, so overcome. Overcome. Mm. I think for you, the challenge as, as an investigator and burying yourself deep into all the, uh, the trials and tribulations that our clients and businesses have out there, I think sometimes you too sit back and you just say, fuck it, I'm overcome. And overcome by probably <laughs> feeling of despair at times. No, it is. And so it's quite, it's, it's, it's an interesting choice of words, but I, I know that you've sat with me and said, I'm yeah, I, I feel overwhelmed even at times. And yeah. then, then you find a solution and you've overcome that challenge. It's almost like a double meaning. To but there's always double meaning in absolutely everything. Yeah. That's yeah. the fun part about this. Yeah, it's, it's, quite a, it's quite a deep meaning behind just the name of the company and the, 
the sort of image? Look, I think that, I mean, reflects on myself and my partner taking it very seriously. Yes. Okay, it's not our hobby, it's our life. Yeah. And it's our goal in life. Okay, when we started this offer, maybe we can cover this one day on entrepreneurship. Yeah. Okay, we, we weren't chasing money when we started this. Mm. We wanted to build something. You went off and studied law originally. And then I did an honors in labor law. Okay. So, so, so was that originally what you wanted to go no. into when you studied law? No. Can I tell you how I ended up there? Yeah. Okay. Um, during my time, okay, I had two choices. Go to university or go to the army. Yes. I was going to Bloom Special Division. Okay. What is the longest thing advice I can study? Law. Great, I'll be doing that. And you, what varsity did you go to? Uh, RAU, that's now Ra, UJ. Ra, yeah. the, old, the, the new UJ. Yeah, old, the new UJ, the old Afrikaans, RAU. The old Rant Afrikaans University. That's the one. So you went off with all good intentions to study law, branched off into labor law. And was Invictus a creation that came shortly thereafter, or was it? We, we worked for other people before, okay. okay, and in a roundabout way ended up uh, together, and that's how we started. And now, if, you, if I had to say to you, to a young person, a young school leaver, matriculant, somebody mm. in that line, looking to go into a career, um, would you, I mean, A, would you recommend it? You, the, that is a career, and B, what is, what is the requirement? You, you still have to certainly go study law, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the reality of the situation is it's not for everybody. Okay. Okay? It's not for everybody because similar to you guys, nobody phones an investigations company because they are happy with their staff or happy <laughs> yeah. with their business, yeah. right? So yeah. every call you get is negative. Good point. The same thing works with us. Mm. Nobody phones us to tell us how well their employees are behaving and how well the business is doing, etc. We don't get those calls. No, look, if that was the case, none of us would be in business. Well, exactly. Okay, so it's a constant negative influence. So I always say to people, etc., if you want to go study something, okay, go study it. What's the worst that can happen? Okay, I've got friends of mine that studied with me that end up in IT. Sure. Never, okay. never completed You're not wanted, necessarily yeah. going to end up where you studied. Mm. But if you find your interest in life because law is also so wide mm. now the interesting part about labor law is we've only had the new labor relations act since 95. now for any legislation that is nothing which also has the effect of every single new case that comes out it changes the application of the act mm. every single change that comes through is a change in the act every ccma rule that changes as an interpretation, it's a different way of doing it, etc. Mm. The, the, it's a constant changing environment. If you go into maybe estate law or tax law, the chances that that will change majorly, okay, except for what is announced uh, in the budget speech every year, it's pretty constant. Mm. I mean, I think the tax act still uses 1956 as tax act. Mm. Okay, it got amended a couple of times, but effectively, you know, we've had. 60 odd 70 odd years of the same tax act mm. okay for labor law for 25 years because remember the moment the constitution came in the labor law changed mm. so it morphs exactly and it's a living thing so it's a new area okay etc and it's, it's not for everybody i mean some people enjoy criminal i personally would never ever step anywhere near it okay some people enjoy private law some people state law there's so many different divisions mm. in terms of that that you find your passion what about labor law specifically attracted you to branch off specifically into that? Um, 
I think for me personally, I like the idea of riding into the rescue. I've probably got a white knight complex or something. I'm sure some psychologists will have an actual field day with that. But, but I like that. Okay, And also, I like the underdog. And most businesses these days are the underdog because employees are heavily protected. The law is not equal in this area. Okay, is he- heavily favoured to protecting employees. Mm. And, you know, in terms of our history, etc., as a country, it probably should be. Okay, that but that's a very debatable subject. Mm. It, it, does it stifle employment? Yeah, it's, it's does an it stifle, important point. Does it stifle economic growth? So you touch on something there that I think, uh, it's, a, it's a strong point of mine and peers, certainly with, as investigators, um, because we feel that in the current climate, the employee um, is protected to such an extent that the employer sits often on the back foot in the corner just getting slammed left, right and centre. And I understand uh, yeah, the history and all these things, but it is, it is like that. Um, and it feels that way, and, and I think it is that way. Now that you mention it, um, and I can attest to this, is uh, as, a, as, as a company that supplies undercover agents, for example, you know, I read these undercover reports uh, every week as they come in from our informers that have been placed. And the amount that employees can get away with, and they know that they can get away with, so they push the boundaries, um, is disheartening. It's disheartening. I mean, I've seen business owners... Um, and executives almost in tears, their hands up in the air saying, you know, what do we do? What can I do? Um, And yes, that's where, as investigators, our role is to come in and assist with getting the evidence and then having persons like yourselves and your, your staff come in and run with that to get the underdog onto the into the into the favourable position at the end of the day. Well, you got to remember, any case is only as good as the evidence. Absolutely, yeah. You know? So, so yeah, I it's a valid point you make, and I think it also goes down to um, does that stifle employment? Absolutely, I think it does. Yeah, but uh, it'd probably interesting also to touch on the whole evidence thing, mm. okay? Because um, there's a difference in criminal law. You've got to prove it beyond the shadow of a doubt. Correct. Okay. In labor law, you only have to prove it on, on the balance of probabilities. Yeah. That's all we need yeah. to prove. Okay, And that's sometimes where people get a little bit stuck in the woods if they don't have an expert or they're being advised by a criminal attorney. Ah. No, yeah, no dissing so criminal in, in, in your In your definition, define what is it for you that 51, is the balance of probabilities. If 51% of the evidence says you did it. So does that guilty. so does that mean now I, I know the I know the answer to this but I want you to explain this to our listeners absolutely 100%. and 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 we face this problem a lot where does fifty one percent mean I polygraph my employee he failed it but I don't have anything else okay this is interesting because it ties on to the whole evidence thing because so, certainly that that would tip the scale in favor of the employer so, so polygraphs okay can't be treated as main evidence why not okay I'll tell you now. Okay, so I'll give you the perfect example. There's five guys working in your company. You test them all. Three fail, you fire all three of them. It doesn't work like that. Okay, it could only be used as supporting evidence. Okay, Okay. but now I'll take that same scenario. There are five guys who've got access to a storeroom. 
So only five guys in the whole company who've got access to the storeroom. Something goes missing out of that storeroom that can prove it was never invoiced, it just disappeared. Mm. The only logical explanation is one of them took it. Absolutely. You test all five, one failed, that's the one who took it. Got a balanced probability, he did it, everybody else passed. Now, because remember, in the, the polygraph, you, must, mm, you, you mm, know, mm. you are specifics. Mm. Cool, it's sure. not general. No. And now, the reason why it can't be treated as, sorry, the reason why you oh, can't yeah. treat it as main evidence, okay, is that it's not 100% reliable. Mm. There's an element of doubt. Yes. So therefore, it can only be treated as supporting evidence. It can't be a witch hunt to go find out if somebody ever took anything ever. Because mm. if you ask the question wrong, have you ever taken anything from the company? Uh, I think I took a pencil a year ago. You'll fail. Yeah, absolutely. It's got to be about that specific instance, and that specific thing that went missing. That that bottle of water. Did you steal that bottle of water out of that storeroom? That's it. Yeah. Now, Daniel, just on the issue of uh, the burden of proof with with evidence in terms of labour law mm. and and for the companies, because. I suppose you get this a lot because I know we do, and it's very it's frustrating. Um, even to the extent I've had this at commissioners at the CCMA, not quite understanding. Scary as that may sound, but true. Where a client will misinterpret or be led to misinterpret what is balance of probabilities, as you've got a nice definition you gave there, and a good example. Um, and will believe that because I suspect you enough, it's you, and therefore fire the person. Well, we, we yes, get this sir. a lot. Yeah, we get this a so lot. That, is that, don't you find it frustrating? Don't? Not really, because you've got to realize you're dealing with somebody who hasn't gone to varsity for six years, mm. who hasn't worked with this on a daily basis. Mm. And now I'm going to go back to one of your previous points. As an employer, as a business owner, You've got to be a tax expert. You've got to be a specialist, a specialist in your field. Uh, you've got to be a labor law expert, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You've got to be an HR expert, n name a field. Whatever, yeah. Like an IT expert, yeah. except You can't be an expert in all fields. Okay? You surround yourself with providers mm. that are reputable and then you are judged on your team providing. You can't be an expert in all fields. Mm. Okay? So... <coughs> You've got to realize that the person you're dealing with is a layman. This person wasn't trained like this. In their understanding of what law is, okay, it's what they've seen on TV. Okay, now the American judicial system works vastly different, okay, to the South African one. Okay, it's not Lincoln lawyer that mm. you're going to have here. Okay, the evidence works different, the system works different, and it is not in half an hour the case is wrapped. Mm. No. Sometimes it takes years. Like a case that goes into CCMA, Labor Court, Labor Appeal Court can last anything from five to eight years. Mm. And it's actually very interesting. I mean, if you go back to a well-known case that was broadcast everywhere, the Oscar Pistorius trial, that showed people what court is actually like. Mm. Okay, that it is not. It, it is not the Lincoln lawyer where people get up and perform and uh, do a song and dance and the jury okay, convicts or equits them. Danny Crane. Exactly. Boston Legal. There we go. Classic. Okay. So, going then, if we're taking the, the, the evidence matter into, well, we've, we've covered that and I was, I'm glad we did because it is a frustration that we, we do encounter. Um, I know you do a lot mm. where, you know, there's a, a preconceived idea um, 
of what an outcome is going to be, even where you've sat and said, I don't believe there's sufficient evidence mm. yet, or I don't believe that what we have here, based on a balance of probabilities, mm. is still significant enough. Okay? The other side to that is, of course, I know you've had situations where, I mean, it's not even probabilities anymore. It's beyond reasonable doubt because there's video footage, mm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you've still had then, I, I'll say it, you've had labor lawyers who've argued against us yes. um, in that particular case, who, for whatever reason, um, believe differently. Yes, mm. they've studied the matter, and, and we've always respected that. But, you know, just like they've, they've studied, we've spent 30-odd years um, doing investigations and presenting this evidence. Mm. So there is often a, not often, wrong word, but there is from time to time a clash between what we believe. Um, but what I am happy to say is that in the private sector, we the successes are far more than what you encounter, and I and you, but mm. what you out there on a daily basis encounter when you're dealing with the police who have no concept yeah. of, of burden of proof <clears throat> and basically throw everything out because it's just as easy to close a docket yeah. and say, oh, I'm not gonna, I don't know what, what they... They don't even it's, understand it's fraud, it. I don't understand it. Yeah. Um, and I wish there was labor lawyers for based at every police station mm. that can decide on a labor law matter um, if there's a criminal case or not, because that's where the, it gets sort of this grey area that occurs. So, so, I mean, on that basis, okay, as I said earlier, there's different divisions in, in, in law. Okay? Now, we as a company, for instance, only do labour. We don't touch criminal. Okay? It's the client's choice if they want to press a criminal charge or whatever mm. the case may be. Because lawyers don't normally typically drive criminal cases. Okay? The state has got a duty that the moment you press a charge for them to investigate and then pursue yes. the matter. That's what you pay taxes for. Okay? Our job as labor lawyers, etc., is to get rid of the problem mm. and make sure it stays gone. Okay, and then prepared for any litigation that may follow. Yeah. Okay, that's where we stop. Anything that happens past there from the criminal side, that's up to the state and the client if they want to press charges. Mm. Remember, not every single person that gets caught stealing there's a criminal no, charge for. Absolutely not. We'd Sometimes it's just not worth it. We, no, we'd have a bigger backlog than we do anyway. Exactly. Daniel, okay, the, staying with that but moving on slightly because I think this, this leads nicely into a, a point here that I wanted to bring up. Um, we're moving into then the, the disciplinary process. Mm. Uh, in this example, hypothetically, DNK has gone in. Uh, we've done the investigative work. We've obtained as much evidence um, Good evidence. Okay, good evidence. I'm, I'm gonna, in my example here, I'm going to use that everything is, is worked well. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And evidence has, has been forthcoming, etc. What is it that then generally jeopardizes that case in terms of procedures? Because that, to me, is another issue, is the correct and the incorrect disciplinary procedures. Many HR practitioners, I find, are not sufficiently educated and maybe educated is the wrong word, maybe it's just experienced, but they fall flat on procedures, and I've seen cases lost on procedures. What's, what's your take on that? Okay, so I think let's go to the definition of what's a fair dismissal first. Okay. Okay, so a fair dismissal is based on two legs. Okay, 
fair procedure. So what procedure was followed to initiate the dismissal? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, procedure is either right or it's wrong. Can't be. Okay. There's no gray area. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a there's a set in terms of Schedule Eight from the LRA set. This is what a hearing is. This is what constitutes the hearing. And what these are like procedures to, to follow prior to the hearing. Exactly. And case law during the years have actually made it very clear on this is the steps that need to be followed. Absolutely. Okay. It's either yes or no. Now, if the answer is no, you lose. Boom, over. Simple. Okay? It's simple. Because you've got to have both those legs legit. If you fail the first leg, you're dead. You lose. Okay? So, let's assume the procedure was done right. Okay. Second leg is in the substantive reasons for the dismissal. Now, there is a couple of gray areas here, and it depends on interpretation, etc., and case law changes this, etc. But was the reason why the person was dismissed fair? Mm. Now, the word fair mm-hmm. is the bane of my existence. Okay? The word fair comes from the Constitution. Okay? Can I just stop you to ask you a question? Yes. In, in criminal law, is that the word fair is turned to the reasonable man. Is it the same thing? Very similar. Similar. Okay. Similar. Okay. okay. But because the word fair is in the Constitution, in terms of everybody should have the right to fair procedures, I mean, if, if you're really interested, you can actually go read that whole section. Okay. Because of the word fair, we have the whole LRA. We have the whole CCMA. We have mm. the whole Labor Court. We have the whole Labor Appeal Court. All to determine... What is fair? And that's why they always take the company for unfair dismissal. That's it. Right. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Now, that is the reason why. Now, has that reason been communicated to the employee? Did he know that if he broke that rule, he would be terminated? They also look at, was dismissal the appropriate sanction? Mm. Was there no other way short of dismissal? These are all things that the CCMA then debates, and that's normally when you have a case at the CCMA, mm. what, you, what you argue. Now, you you say there was the let's say the company rule communicated to the employee in a form of a contract or verbally said, but does it always have to be? Can't you rely on you know sort of so every every reasonable person knows that I'm not allowed to steal. So can I tell you our biggest frustration in this game is common sense. Yes. Okay. Because it sounds like common sense. Yes. Really, it sounds like common sense. I caught the guy, I fired him, yep. stole. Yep. Common sense, right? Mm. Not always. But the law doesn't work like that. The law says you've got to do this and you've got to do that and you've got to follow that procedure before you can terminate because people have got rights. Mm. This is uh, just out of a... Uh, so sometimes a common side. sense... Yeah, okay. Common sense is, is, is the big, is very very dangerous because it, it makes sense. And, and then it's not common, that common sense to me, common sense to you, common sense <laughs> to you. There's three different and things. I, and, and I can tell you, an industry that is beset with that particular is the security industry, yes. as in security guards. Yeah, and I mean, I know sleeping on duty. How many over the oh. years we've caught that common sense would tell you that you don't put your shotgun on your toe. Mm. Uh, and or, or, or sit on it um, like a chair outside a shopping centre, and when it goes off, say, "Well, you shouldn't have done that." Well, it's common sense to say to get told. Well, nobody told me that. Yes. Um, so, I get what you're saying. Common I've sense got, is I've a got dangerous so many thing. security guard stories. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but common sense. You know, there's that 
that old saying that a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. 100%. Common sense reminds me of that. It's, it is, is, is it that common? Yeah, common sense is not common. <laughs> yeah, um, but okay, so that's, yeah, that that's is, where you're going. Yep. Th- that, right. is, that is the biggest problem because business owners go, but that's so, that's just common normal, sense, right? Yeah, it's normal. Okay, but there's still a legal procedure to follow. Mm. It, it's that simple. Okay, because everybody's presumed innocent until proven guilty, Correct. either on beyond a reasonable doubt or, you know, in yeah. this case, on a balance of probability. Everybody has the right to a fair procedure. Mm. And also, going on the whole right thing, the, and I, I challenge anybody listening to this, the employee that's probably your worst employee in your business knows his rights better than you do. Absolutely. Mm. I think that's, that, that is seen often, yeah. often. Never assume that people don't know their rights. No. People know their rights. They know them. And they, you know, I find this very often with we, you think because he, no disrespect to the position, but you think, well, the chap's a forklift driver and his employer decides he's going to dismiss or he's going to do something. I'll tell you what, he gets taken to the cleaners by that forklift driver mm-hmm. because they know their rights. Um, they know the labor law better than very often most business owners. And in a lot of times backed by a huge union. Well, what you've got to remember is, what is the cost in referring a case to the CCMA? Zip. Zero. You know why? Because it's a constitutional right. Mm-hmm. You can't be charged for exercising your constitutional right. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've been fired, as horrible as this sounds, you've got nothing better to do. Yeah. Might as well go to the it's CCMA. Fact. It's not going to cost you anything. It's a pain in the ass for us, but yeah. In, in all the years that I've been doing this, I've probably in my whole life gotten costs three times. Against an employee. Three times. Explain when you say cost. The costs of the proceedings. In other words, ruled in your favor or your client's favor That's that they it. have to pay. The costs that, are, that got wasted. In terms of not just the client's cost, but also the CCMA costs. Uh, how would one get that? Is that, like some, uh, is that a civil thing you have to do separately? Or? No, it's part of the, the judgment that the commissioner was. I mean, all my years, not, I've never heard of it. A commissioner will very, very randomly, very seldomly in this case, award costs against an employee. It's different in labor court. Interesting. Mm. In labor court, if you lose, you lose with costs. It yes. doesn't matter what side you yeah. But in yeah. the CCMA, to be awarded, or in the, even a bargaining council, to be awarded costs is a rare thing indeed. So the risk for the employee is zero. Mm. And even if they got caught day to rights, etc., on video camera, and this is where people go, but how can he go to the CCMA? Yeah, of course. He got caught on video camera. There he is taking the stuff. He has a right to be heard. Well, let's just go there because yeah. you've got nothing else to do. Let's go. Well, what is it going to cost him? Nothing. Zero. Absolutely. Okay, why wouldn't he go? Because sometimes in life, I mean, how, this is how the, the system is rigged. It might be cheaper to settle with the employee at conciliation than actually go fight the arbitration, which will be in three, four months' time. Mm-hmm. Getting everybody that needs to testify there, etc., paying the cost of having it litigated. It, becomes a business decision. Mm. Okay. So now the employee got money for doing what? For exercising his right. Why wouldn't he go? Mm. And, so and, then, and yeah. uh, am I correct if I say a lot of the times they go there just for a settlement? Absolutely. Well, that's what, because they get told becomes, to. And it almost becomes, you know, we walk in there. We almost pulled aside immediately. And say, so listen, listen, listen don't you, you guys like, or your client just want to settle? You yeah. Know, <laughs> and you said, but we've got a case here that's... You, we can't lose, and they'll say, well, you know, just pay him something, and it's... Yes. Uh, yeah. that's, that's how the system is rigged. Yeah. Now, also, got to remember, all these employees watch the same shows that employers watch on American mm. TV. 
True. Okay. Oh my God, I'm going to make a million rand settlement. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is where it comes down to. Okay. People think it's a it's a get rich quick scheme by going to the CCMA because if you go read any newspaper, you never read in the newspaper the employer won. It was a fair dismissal. Mm. You very rarely read that. What do you read about? Oh, the CCMA awarded compensation to yeah. this person or reinstate, reinstate that person. Mm. It's yeah. always because that's a much easier news angle. Of course. Okay. Then, 50 striking workers then, reinstated. Then the employee dismissed 50 striking workers mm. and won the case. Mm. Boring. Mm. Who wants to read about that? Okay. So just quickly on the procedures, what are they in the sense of first thing that you need to do as a company? Your HR department has to do what? N- notify the... So, so how it works is there's got to be a notification in writing okay, of a disciplinary hearing to the employee. Okay. Then the employee has to be given enough time to prepare. Now, what that time is, is relative. What okay. is fair time. So m- most normal times is 48 hours to prepare. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then there's a hearing where there's a chairperson, a complainant, the employee, maybe a representative from inside the company, depending on the legalities of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then there's an outcome and a ruling from the chairperson, etc. That uh, I'm skipping over a lot of stuff now, yeah, sure. but I mean, mm-hmm. if we have to go into what a hearing entails, will be no, for no. the next hour. Yeah. Um, and then there's a recommendation. Because you know, the, the, the chairperson doesn't actually fire the person. No, they give a recommendation mm. to the company of what their verdict is. Right. Okay. The company then chooses to exercise that verdict. Point now for listeners. The employee who, or employees who are sitting in, who have been charged in that hearing, what is their right in terms of a representative? Are they allowed a lawyer? No. Or is it only a company representative? How does that work? They're only allowed an internal representative. Okay. Unless one of the accused is a shop steward from a union, then most of the times, which is not automatic, right, mm. is allowed, uh, but I mean most companies or attorneys will allow the fact that a union will come represent their shop steward okay, for fear of victimizing a shop steward because he is a shop steward. Shops. But most mm. employees... In, but no lawyer only, allowed. No, no legal employee, mind. They, they will be allowed an attorney or a lawyer, etc., if the other side is being represented by an attorney or a lawyer. Because okay. then the, the law likes to then balance it's fair. Fair. It likes to balance things yeah. up. Now, the same works in the CCMA. Okay? Your lawyer can't go represent you in a conciliation. They're not allowed. Mm-hmm. Okay? When they go to arbitration, an attorney is not automatically allowed to represent. They have to do a legal application to appear and show reasons why they should be appearing. Because the whole process is set a lot more informally than court and you know that that's a whole uh, system in itself and the again i'll use the the word accused but they rock up at the ccma who is allowed to represent them at that initial process only themselves or a union not a lawyer not a lawyer okay just want to put that out there. Yes, yeah. just that not everybody rule, understands but this is that's that everyone understands this yeah. is how it works so they should be there one man alone or woman or uh, one person alone 1v1. Look, the, look, the reality is, as, as there are people like me who represent companies, there'll be people representing individuals. Yes. And, you know, and uh, they'll appear as members of a union. Mm. It's, people make I've a I've living. seen that with legal-wise, and I'll use that name because mm. I've seen people do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but also uh, the, there's legal wise there's scorpion yeah. legal services there's mm. there's plenty of these insurance companies mm. etc um that you can actually take out they'll actually pay for representation up to a point so depending they, on the policy the the employee is allowed one of those representatives well they'll only be allowed a union representative or a fellow employee representative same as in the hearing okay will be allowed at the ccma the hearing takes place once it's adjourned considering in the situation that the evidence is compelling it's there what is the next step the chairman will then do a recommendation or an outcome okay okay you will then recommend what appropriate action is did he find the employee <coughs> guilty of the offense how did he find the motivation behind that etc now the quality of this judgment if you can call it that okay is dependent on who you use okay um i've seen ones that are a page i've seen ones that are 16 pages okay it all depends okay okay there's no fixed procedure how that should look or laws that say how it should look there just has to be that recommendation but obviously if the judgment or the recommendation is of low quality okay it's going to get torn apart at the next process if it goes to the ccma you've got to prove as a chairperson you have got the obligation to provide your reasonings behind it, etc. The case law that this case is dependent on, because every single employee, doesn't matter what they've done, deserves the right to a fair procedure. And you've got to show that. Mm. It's not a slapdash okay. thing. And this is now where your problem comes in when HR people involve themselves into this process. They are not legal people. This is a legal process. Mm. Okay, and sometimes that is when things go a little awry, if you want to call that. Now, what is the risk for business owners, HR, when they have a, let's call them a, a headache employee? There's okay. something that happened sure. and perhaps the, the company is on, in two minds themselves about whether they have enough to fire the but they sort of, you know, coerce the, the chairperson coming to chair the meeting saying, listen, I want to get rid of it and make sure it happens. Effectively, the chairperson should never be coerced in mm. any sort of shape or way because then the chairperson isn't completely neutral and not completely fair, which means you'll probably lose that if it comes out afterwards. Thank you. One could argue, though, and, this and is, also, this is And though. also the reality of it is, sorry, just, uh, uh, just continuing on that process, for companies like ours, it's bad business mm. losing cases. Mm. Okay? Absolutely. Therefore, you, you're not going to go and do a recommendation where the chances that you'll lose are huge. Mm. Okay, it's bad business. Yeah. It'd probably be the same for you guys. It is. It is. Basing your, you, all, all you, your evidence on hearsay. Well, yes. You would want to be able to say to a client, I've never lost a CCMA case. Well, you'll also be able to say, our chances with winning this haven't, though, is 75, 80%. Put that out there. That's, where, that's where you want to be. Mm. Okay? You don't want to say to a client, the chance of us winning this case, eh, 51%. I'm just going to throw something out there, though. This is, and this flies in the face of all three sure. of us. Okay? Shoot. Is that if one has to, if I had to be completely unbiased in any way, when a company hires, starting with investigators, and then certainly going across to a labor law representative come in and chair the hearing there is almost one could say uh, 
one could be accused, put it this way, I've got to choose these words carefully, but one could almost be accused of it's, there's an element of biasness that then exists because I'm paying, not me, but the company is paying for a labor, law to come, a labor lawyer to come chair this, this particular hearing and I'm hopefully they're going to find in my, in my rule in my favor at the end of the day. I understand that they're not, they shouldn't if they, you know, if they're ethical and, and professional, if there isn't sufficient evidence, but it can be almost misconstrued as because you're paying the bill, mm. you're going to get what results. you want. Yeah. Yes. Now, and, and I'm not saying that is the case. What I'm saying is we get accused, people accuse us and labor lawyers of this. We as investigators will very often, very often, get told, and this will happen at CCMA, that you fabricate evidence because you can't lose the case. Because if you do, you're not going to get paid. In fact, I've had this many times in criminal courts. Mm. And that is, it couldn't be farther, further from the truth because the reality of that is we are not paid on results. Quite simple, nor as you guys aren't. We, we, do, not, we do not earn a cent on a result. 100%. We are not, as in, for example, debt collectors who collect cash and they take a percentage if they don't get, they get or traces. Mm. As investigators, we are going to be paid whether that case turns out in favor of an employer or in favor of the state is irrelevant. We're getting paid for the hours worked. The doctor and, analogy is always a winner. As the doctor. He's getting paid whether you die or not. Yes. Yeah, the surgeon, you, you kick the bucket on that operating table. You, you're paying that anesthetist. You're paying those people. Yeah. And we're the same. So I'm just putting it out there, though, because I do understand how many times people do say to us, or they put it across, you know, because you paid, because the company paid for a labor lawyer, it was inevitable they were going to win this mm. case, initially anyway. Yeah. And I say, no, bullshit, because that labor lawyer is going to get their bill to you. You're going to pay them regardless. Mm. They're not out about the result. They're out to, to, to stick to the facts, as we do. It's stick yes. to the facts, present them. If what we present is not winnable, it's not winnable. Mm. I mean, that's just the way life works. That's, but, that's but, it is. but this is what we discussed earlier. It's, okay, it's, doing a bad case is bad for business. It is bad for business. But okay. we, uh, therefore, therefore, we still have to do yeah, but presentation but of let, what there is. But let's take this now the other way around. Okay, a company gets external investigator; they get an external chairperson mm. to chair their internal matters. They can't put any pressure on that investigator or external chairman. They can't say, listen, we're going to withhold your bonus if you don't dismiss this no. person, which means the internal person that might chair that hearing has got a lot more pressure to keep his boss happy than what you as an independent has okay, about getting assigned a certain well, task and actually performing it. Well, I push for independent all the time. Exactly. You make a ruling on the facts. And HR hate us for it. But that's the way it is. Look, I mean, HR will have reservations about it, but I think the, the moment an HR person understands that this is a specialized area mm. of law, okay, because that's why HR people get referred as HR generalists, it gets covered under generalists, okay, a part of it. But you are not a specialist. And the difference between that is I always say to people, if you need to go for an operation, mm. you can go to the GP, he knows where everything is in the body. He'll probably get it out of you somewhere. Okay? The scar he'll leave, as opposed to if a surgeon that specializes in that period of the body does it, is two separate things. This is going back to the house we blew up. Yes, just like that. Yeah. Exactly. A, uh, an analogy. analogy yeah. 
on our other show that we did. But okay. it's, a speci- it's a speciality. That, that's really what it comes and down that, to. And that's the same as investigations. Absolutely, yeah, 100%. You can, just because an, a man was a, wore a blue uniform, drove around in a van for 30 years, does not make him an investigator. 100%. And the same goes in your industry. So with HR, etc. Right. Moving on from that, Daniel, I want to bring up a, an issue here which... I think you guys must deal a lot with because if we do, it means you surely are as well. But it is investigating in and around the whole restraint of trade issue. Okay, so very simple. Please explain this. Very simple. There's such a misconception about this. It's unconstitutional. You can't keep somebody from working. You name it. I've heard every single argument. Now, the Constitutional Court has ruled on this. Okay, restraint of trades are enforceable. Okay. Okay. But so you heard it here; they're enforceable. But it's always a but. Okay. <laughs> the restraint has got to be fair. Okay. Now there's the term word fair. fair. There's that fucking fair. The F's. Okay. Okay. There's always that. <laughs> okay. By the filthy finger of fairness. So That's what I like. I'll give you the perfect example. Um, the period. The period has got to be defined. It can't be indefinite. Okay. The area has got to be defined. It's not indefinite. Okay. So, so are you saying they should say that if I sell water a, bottles... A good restraint of trade will cover about at least four pages and will spell out exactly what you can't do. Now, I think let's look at the purpose of a good restraint of trade. Mm-hmm. There's a good and there's bad ones. Mm. Okay? <laughs> Same as divorce agreements and those type of things. <laughs> okay? now, Sorry for another a, day. A good restraint of trade says you can't go compete against us directly you can't go poach our clients Mm. the whole purpose of a restraint of trade is to eliminate unfair competition Mm. Mm. you know what we charge because you worked for us for how many years you know who our clients are and what we charge Mm. exactly it's like corporate espionage exactly the same thing Mm. okay that's the aim of a restraint of trade it's not saying you can't go work in the same industry Mm. it says go work in the same industry don't poach our clients, don't poach our staff, don't use our uh, knowledge that you gain through us against us. Mm-hmm. Because then the competition in the marketplace is not even. It's not a fair fight. Yeah. And that's really all that it comes down to. It's really not that complicated. Yeah. Okay. Now people think, yeah, but if I've got a restraint of trade, somebody should pay me for the whole period. No, it doesn't work like that. Okay, there's nothing in law that says that. This is not a golden parachute that the CEO of a listed company gets. Mm. Okay, it doesn't work like that. It all depends on what is in that restraint of trade. It could have a period in, it could have a monetary value in it, etc. Okay, and let me tell you the scary part. I mean, personally, I've been through this fight in my life. Okay, is that it's not about how enforceable that restraint of trade is. Okay? It's the cost of defending it. Defending it, not as in the, the person who's supposedly done wrong defending or the yes. employer? The, well, the employer will never defend it. Okay, the he's employee, enforcing The employer will always enforce, enforce it. So, you, so the person accused. No, nowhere in the world has an employee ever tried to enforce a restraint of trade against themselves. Okay, mm. so, so, okay. so forgive me for the terminology, but, but just making sure. Is, but this the, is the, the, the accused. Clear. Yeah. Okay, so. So the employee and the employer, because okay. that's the two parties involved. Quick okay. one though, does the, the, the wayward or ex-employee who's joined company B, 
and this is what we see. They join company B because company B poached them. Yeah. So they bring their IP and they bring all of their stuff across and they hit the road and they break all the restraints. Yeah. Who pays for that? The company that brought them in or them themselves? So how it would normally work is the company that lost the employee or has the restraint of trade yes. will normally write a letter to the company that poached uh-huh. and inform them that the employee they've taken into employment has got a restraint of trade. Mm. Okay, now... That employer then has two choices. Okay? Do something about it and rectify or do nothing about it. Carry on. The moment they then carry on, they are party to breaching that uh, restraint of trade. What can they do? So there's a couple of way, different ways that you can do this. Okay? There's uh, a very aggressive way and then there's a smart way. Mm-hmm. Okay? The aggressive way is bringing an urgent interdict against the employee. Okay, to enforce the restraint of trade. This is why, because it's urgent, it's expensive. Mm. You're probably looking at a good 200, 250 grand to bring an urgent application in court. Okay, that is like in a day or two. That matters on the roll. Okay, Okay. it is huge. Okay, Uh, normally the court would rule and put an interim order in place and then review it to determine if they're going to make that order permanent or not. Mm. Okay, that's how that process works. It's not that complicated. Everybody exchanges documents. It's like a normal court case. Mm-hmm. It's just on an urgent basis because the matter has got to be decided urgently. Then there's a very smart way of doing it. So let's use, for example, the restraint was for 12 months. Okay? As company A, you send the letter saying, please note this guy's under restraint of trade, blah, blah, blah. They don't respond or they don't do anything about it. You wait 12 months. And then bring a suit of damages against the company that broke this restraint of trade and the employee. Calculated from what you think your losses. That's it. So there's different ways of doing it. It depends on the strategy, etc. But either way, it's not a pleasant thing to go through, let me tell you. No. But now from your side or our side, but your side, um, you just, if you give us an example, you've just done a, a, a nice investigation recently. On a uh, on exactly this, two staff members, am mm. I right? Two, yeah. Left same company, joined opposition. Yeah. Um, and then moved aggressively into securing what was clients of the previous employer mm. um, a, across to the new company. Yeah. And just talk the listeners through that. So, uh, I'll 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 define it as a, a sales position. Okay. I, I think that's fair. But heaven normally is. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 that's where the headache comes. I mean, you know, sales are lu- are, are lucrative and, and a cutthroat industry. But two employees working for Company A resigned, moved over, or actually got got no, got headhunted. Sort yeah, of got headhunted and resigned. Yeah, with imme- almost immediate effect. effect yes. Yeah. Then went after the clients that were clients of Company A. So they said, "Listen, remember me. Remember me. You know, I've I've joined a new company. Let's start doing business." So our client contacted us, said, "Listen, we need help to to prove what was going on, even though they know what was going on." So we sort of did a, a dirty on them, uh, called them in for a quote uh, on what they were selling, uh, captured everything. Yeah, we, we just we terminology-wise, what we call a false a false flag approach. 
um, where I suppose a bit, of, a bit of a honey trap at the end of the day, but ask them to come in and present. You see, I would have a problem with that in okay. terms of evidence. Okay. Because that is what we call entrapment. All right. So just on this, and this is it's, it's a good, a good and, debate. And, and, you know, this is where, again, we go back to our previous conversation about the quality of evidence. Yes. It can't be entrapment. It can't be hearsay. You mm. know, there's, okay. there's all these uh, the different type of things. So what, what we did in this particular situation, because I'm, I'm cognizant of the entrapment issue that goes around mm. this, and although a lot of that is based on, I suppose, ethics, but the, the two individuals here were asked to present a sales pitch on the business that they're currently at. They advertise out there. It's on the internet. So yeah, they were yeah. phoned up. Come in and please present to us um, what it is your company will do and has done. That was where it sort of ended. They offered way too much information at their pitch in terms of where the previous company where we worked 100%. would rip you off mm. and 100%. do X, Y, and Z. But that's the difference between yep. entrapment and that's this sort of evidence. Sort of starting to in terms mouth of their conduct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the way we do it is obviously, and then again, this comes down to, I suppose, experience, but they, they, were, they were given a, an, an open platform, but they hung themselves in that platform. Mm. The matter did go to CCMA, actually, and was won there by the client, our client, um, they won that, that the CCA found that the dismissals were, uh, the, the, well, firstly, there was no dismissals, but it went. They went for constructive went dismissal, constructive. Yes. That was up, found no, no problem. Well, let me tell you why they went for constructive dismissal, just to interrupt. They went for constructive dismissal, because if they were unfairly dismissed, you could claim that the restraints aren't applicable, because mm. the company broke the law first. Yeah, okay. That's why they did Well, then it went, uh, it went a step further, where our client proceeded with, Civil action yeah. against offending company B, and won that case uh, on the basis that the evidence that Pierre and his team had, had provided was uh, there was there was there was no issue in that evidence. In the end, uh, cut a long story short, I mean it was a very successful mm. case. But in the in in the, in the realm of restraint of trades, there is this continual sort of companies not knowing what they can enforce and they cannot enforce. Well, well, this is why the, the quality of enforcing it goes down right back to basics about the quality of the person who drafted it in the first place. Mm. That initial restraint of trade How good contract. was the restraint of trade that was drafted and signed? Well, theirs is always very good in this particular case. Mm. Because if, if you've ever been through a case like this, what happens is that restraint of trade agreement gets torn apart by both sides. Mm. Okay. Trying to find Trying every to little find escape. that loophole or yeah. something that was grey or something that is left to interpretation mm. to render the entire thing invalid. Now, there's in simple uh, contract law, you can't agree to something that's illegal. Mm. If you can find anything or any point in that that's contract illegal, that's correct. illegal. Yeah. Okay? It renders the whole contract illegal, mm. including the restraint. Mm. Just another thing on the restraint of trade investigations, though, that you've got a lot of success from is surveillance. Yeah. Um, a good, decent surveillance, securing evidence that is, um, that is admissible, showing constant contact with uh, clients, etc., that mm. they are prohibited by the restraint from doing, which you've, you've done a lot of, which is, again, another Plenty. way of doing it. Okay. Other one, Daniel, is 
this, in this current day and age, it seems to be rife more than ever. Sexual harassment. Oh, shit. Sexual <laughs> harassment, as, as, a, as a business that represents the company on hearings, etc., etc., are you finding there's a, a, a spike in it? Do you think Very few and far between. You find less? Very few and far between. Okay. Very few and far between. You okay. Should, you should come have. You should come have a look. <laughs> Maybe I, we need to refer more to you because yeah. we, we get so many of them. We don't find that a lot. Okay. Um, Why think, do you think is that? I, I think because in the current woke age, without being horrible yeah, to, yeah, to young fact, people, fact, okay, fact. people are a lot more sensitive mm. about what it actually entails, and a lot more um, conscious mm. of what the definitions for that is. Okay. Um, there's also the Employment Equity Act. There's stuff like that. One would think more um, would do that, though, with all the sort of the GBV rules and stuff. Well, like that. Uh, this is where I'm going next. We're seeing a lot more of that. The GBV cases are a lot. Okay, so you you see a spike in those. Oh yes, and it's not just between employees. Mm, no, sure. Employees coming can't come to work because they were assaulted by. Uh, partner, the partner, yeah. or the partner's been locked up mm. for GBV, mm. yeah, and can't come to work. We you see, guys represent company more. on those? Well, we don't represent them in the GBV cases. No, but yeah. if they but proceeded an with effect on on employment, employment, yeah, I'm saying if it, it rolls over into eventually, it, it, it's very difficult in terms of somebody who gets arrested, etc., and because you have to link it to their work. Of why, if they're not there and they're not doing a job. So sometimes this happens. A lot of uh, gender-based violent cases where, oh, just a typical example of the man hits the woman. She goes and press charges, he gets arrested. Two days later, she goes and she drops the charges. But now he's been off for work for two days. Mm. But you can't discipline him for being away from work because mm. he got kept against his will by the government. Mm. He didn't have a choice. He couldn't come to work. It was impossible for him to perform his duty. So what's the company to do? Well, there's nothing Carry you on can do. Okay, because the, the, the government, if they arrest somebody and they keep them against their will in a jail cell for two days, they can't come to work. It's impossible no. for them to come to work. That's the best excuse ever, except maybe being in a coma or whatever. Yeah. Let, okay. let me just interject there. Mm. When you say someone is arrested, uh, this is something that, that we deal with mm. very often is the impatient client oh, that yeah. that sees and and going on the presumption <coughs> that all of the evidence are clean cut secure no problem with it it's almost to a point where it's beyond reasonable doubt this employee stole something they call the police yes that's the first the thing they do jump all the, the gun. time jump the gun call so the police so say listen we we catch somebody right here is trying to Get out of the gate. Come get him. Let me tell you this horror story. Okay? Expand. Let me tell you a typical example of what happens. Okay? The employer catches the guy stealing. Yeah. Catches him on him trying to take it out. Okay? He takes the stuff back. He calls the cops. They arrest him. They put him in the jail cell. Mm. Okay? Indefinitely. He doesn't have money for bail. For bail. So he sits there. Yeah. Two, three days later, whatever the case may be, he appears in front of the magistrate. Mm. Okay? The magistrate goes, where's the file? Uh, lost the file. Mm. He finds him not guilty. Mm. Come back okay. to work. Re-employee. That afternoon, that employee walks back into the shop. Mm. Mm. I'm back. I've been vindicated. I've been found not guilty. 
You can't go discipline him now. Correct. For mm. something that he got found not guilty. By the state. By a court of law. Mm. Okay. So how this works. Remember we had the incident earlier about the rules and yes. how we're going to follow the procedures, etc. You always do a hearing first. Mm. You terminate the employment. Then Thank you. you press criminal charges. Now, the nice part about that is you've normally got about 33 years to press criminal charges. You're not running out of time mm. anytime soon. No. Mm. Thank you, and I'm glad you said that because I, I, I've, I've had headaches and fights. So no matter. matter the severity, do your hearing. Make sure the employee is off your books first. You've you got to do things in a certain way. He's the first. You terminate, then you make it the state's problem, mm. as you said. Yeah, yeah I, that's the right way of doing it's, it. It's it's it is an old school mistake made coming back from old school security personnel mm. where. The secu- you know, they would catch you and you haven't even effectively removed the item yet off the property, mm. for example. But you're caught, you're arrested and you're fired within hours. No. But, but also uh, the, the old school way of doing it is correct, okay? Because this was the law before 95. Yeah, but as I was saying, then it worked. Yeah, yeah. remember, we still, before now. 95, we yeah. still had the free strike rule. Yeah, not now, now. That's one of the biggest banes of my existence again. When I go to a client, they go, yeah, but we gave him free warnings. That means he's fired, right? This is not baseball. <laughs> it's not free strikes and you're out. Yeah. Okay, there's a procedure to be mm. followed. Free strikes and you're out was before 95. Mm. But now that old school technique doesn't work. And this is exactly, we'll come back to your point, is dismissal because he was caught and he's now in the hands of the police. He could be there for a week, a day, a month, a year. And then the reemployment because you fucked up because you had that without actually even having a hearing. Because he was just taken away. Well, not only so. not only the fact that you had to reinstate him, but continuously paying well, throughout the, the process. Well, back pay, etc. So I've seen that it is a horror story. I like the word horror because it is a horror story, and it's one that doesn't have to happen. It's just stupidity from my employer's perspective. Yes, HR and security. But yeah, okay. Um, well, this is where common sense again comes <laughs> into play. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> don't, use not co- that don't use common sense. <laughs> Topic close to our hearts and. One where I think you guys, it gets, can be quite messy, um, strikes. Yeah. Company staff goes on strike, toy toy, do their thing, and in the process the intimidation starts. And the tires and the vandalism, etc. Strike ends two months later, everyone's back to work, company says, but what do I do in the case of DNK, we've got video footage because we've sent strike teams out, etc. What is the company's rights? What can they do? Company can dismiss. Okay. Follow because they're not, they're, not, they're not dismissing for striking. They're dismissing for the Thank conduct you. during the strike. Now, strikes take... A strike is either one of two things, right? A strike is either a protected strike or an unprotected mm. strike. Mm-hmm. Protected means they followed the procedures to strike. Now... In which case, if they don't do anything wrong no, during no, no. the strike, you can't touch them. Well, yeah, well, we're going there. Okay. What you've got to understand is we're one of the few countries in the world that has got the right to strike in our constitution. Mm. Remember I said earlier, go read that part in the constitution. Well, every single employee in South Africa has got the right to strike. Mm. That's in our constitution. Mm. But it's not a right like, for instance, people think free speech is you can say whatever you want. Mm. Now, the right to strike doesn't mean you can strike whenever you want. Okay, you've got to follow There's a, a way. procedure. There's a mm. correct way. Exactly. Okay, now, that way is not simple. 
okay? Because it's not in the government's interest to make it simple for you to strike. Mm. Because if people strike, they're not getting paid for that strike, which means the government doesn't get their tax. Okay? Mm-hmm. They want to make it difficult for people to strike. So there's a whole procedure to follow. Now, we assume they followed it. Okay? They went on strike for something that they can actually strike about. Um, they go and they burn the tires, they do all of that. When they come back, or even during that strike, you could dismiss them for the conduct during the strike. It's all about the conduct. Okay, you can, so let's just backtrack for a second. You can dismiss for three things legally under the Act as it is at the moment. Conduct, okay, capacity, and uh, redundancy, which is retrenchment. What is capacity? Operation. Capacity is, for instance, you are too sick to work. Okay. That's the procedure that you'd follow with somebody um, who, for instance, has um, lost a leg. Okay. Okay. As a right. security guard. Yeah. Okay. He doesn't can't have to fulfill his function. Can't fulfill that okay. function. Okay. Mm. Okay. He, you know, it's a medical capacity. Okay. It could be any type of medical capacity. Okay. Now I've got it. Just wanted okay. to clear that. And then up. you have operational requirements, which is retrenchment. So okay. the, the word retrenchment, funny enough, okay, is not mentioned anywhere in the Act. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. It's dismissal due to operational requirements. But we know it, and yes. everybody knows it as retrenchment. It's an awesome word. So just going back to the strikes. So, so conduct. going back to that, it'll be under conduct. So strikers. Not because they striked. No, no, not at all. Because of what they did during the strike. Wildcat strike, down tools. Now, now we go to the second part, unprotected strikes. That is a strike that did not follow the procedures. A wildcat strike is a perfect example. Okay, and the most common occurrence. Mm. So what happens is the employees get excited about something that they perceive as a uh, mis- uh, mm-hmm. you know, is um, an injustice. They take law in their own hands. Okay. Now, here's the procedure that follows for that. First, they have to be sent an ultimatum to return to work. Okay? Please note that you are on unprotected strike. Please come back to work. Then there's got to be a time set for them to come back to work. Say two hours. Then there's got to be a second ultimatum issued, okay, which is by close of business. Then a third ultimatum to return to work the next day. Now, the reason for that is there's case law that says they have to go back, see their families, realize that if they get dismissed, they can't feed them. They need to calm the down. Common sense cool isn't off. applying, so you've got to do but that. This is not common sense. Yeah. This is the way that procedure yeah. works. This is law. It's not common <laughs> sense. Is, it's law. That is crazy. But okay. 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 If they, the next day, continue to strike, then it's a concerted effort on their part to strike. Okay. Illegally. Well, unprotected. Okay? Therefore, dismissal is applicable. If they come back the next morning, oh, we're so sorry. It was a, you know, it was a bit of an emotional reaction, etc. The Probably the chances would be they would not be dismissed. Yes. Okay, yeah. unless there was obviously misconduct during the strike where the, uh, was damaged or whatever the case may be, etc. So you have to issue those three letters quite quickly. No, no, no. You you issue them as they are because you've got enough give enough time for them to react on it. Right. Because they've got to meet and they've got to discuss and you, all you want to prove is that there was a concerted effort to break the law mm. in terms of striking. You've got to show that. Okay, because again we go back to the fairness aspect of it. Mm. That is the fairness aspect of it. Was it just them emotionally? And the court realizes that people are emotional beings mm. and they might react emotionally. Okay, but if they were given a chance to actually consider what they're doing and they kept on doing it, dismissal is applicable. Going back now to the crowd right, that's jumping up and down at the gate. Mm. Legal strike. Mm. Got the paperwork. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Companies supposed to have followed their also their side of demarcated areas, etc. All of that stuff. However, picketing rules. Is what all the picketing it. rules. But they barricade and prevent the company from trading. They barricade the rocks, etc. Interdict. Is that conduct dismissible after the once it's all over now? The it, fact that you, you, you... It's difficult to say without seeing it because they yeah. can all just be blocking the entrance. I'm talking about placing boulders and, and tires and stuff in your... Could so be. no trucks come could in be. and out. Yeah, could be. A typical thing could that be. they do, but okay. Could be. Because oh, also remember, you're going to bring an urgent interdict now. The court is going to rule that they are interdicted and the court is going to move them. Yes. So normally what the court would use as an indication is they would look at the streets surrounding the business. Okay. And they'd move them over those streets. That's normally how they work in mm. terms of demarcation. Okay? Now, breaking that is a criminal offense. It's a court order. Okay. Okay? It's contempt of court. But the conduct that they committed during it could be dismissible. I mean, we, it's never 100% that it is dismissible, unless it is something that they are torching a van or committing But the moral offense. of the story is, as the company, provide the evidence. Well, the company has got the obligation to prove yes. their accusation. So make sure your cameras are working. Make yes. sure if you've got a strike protection team or whoever there's out there, there's a drone. There's your drones. There's, there is evidence, and this is you. Can, I can't stress this strongly enough because this is exactly that. You know, it doesn't help come. Well, they intimidated Daniel, and now Daniel won't testify because he's scared. I understand that, but there's not much that we can do then. And the reality of it is that happens a lot. Yeah, where the the actual person who is going to testify doesn't want to testify, okay? And there's nothing like court where you can go testify incommunicado or whatever. I, I want to ask you, he's a hearings. Like can you do hearings in camera or not? Yeah, you can. In other words? Virtual hearings. Virtual hearings. Yes, you can. You can. Uh, okay, maybe I didn't ask correctly. Witnesses right. can be virtual as well. Can, they, can their identities be kept? No. Not. Because you've got the right to face your accuser. Uh-huh. Mm. That's what I wanted to know. Okay, so yeah, you can't sense. be confidential and not tell you who is actually testifying. No, because you can't prepare for something like that, knowing, not knowing who it is. So it's not fair, technically. <laughs> so you <laughs> have to the right to face your accuser. So even an undercover operative, if he was going or she was going to be used in a hearing, they're going to have to sit there. Physically. And, unless the accused admitted that that actually happened. Yes, yeah, it's fact. It would, mm. Then yeah. there's no need to, to testify. No, no? fine. But I'm saying the accused, the accused sits there and goes, it's no, common nothing, cause. did nothing. And you've got the undercover operative who's now got to back this up. I'll, I'll give you this, the, just following on this chain of, mm. of thought, you also can't cross-examine uh, an affidavit. So okay. an affidavit can't be treated as evidence unless somebody testifies to that uh, the, the validity of it. Okay. Because you can't cross-examine an affidavit. Mm. It's a piece of paper. You've got the right to cross-examine or examine the evidence put against you yes. or face your accuser. Yes. Once again, we go back to that point. Okay. Fake sick notes? Dismissal. Do you get a lot of those cases? Plenty. What type of evidence and how do you prove it? I'll tell you what we're getting a lot more now, okay? Because it'll tie into your question, is we're getting fake work permits. Mm. Yes. Yeah, exactly the same thing. Any fake documentation that is presented, mm-hmm. okay, is dishonesty. It's dismissible. Now, does that apply when a company fails to do a due diligence or pre-employment screening, hires the employee, and only two years after the employment realizes that this guy has a fake passport so the way it reads is that you've got a duty to act the moment you become aware of it mm. 
Okay. I mean, yes. if your procedures, if it slipped through the procedures or it looked genuine or now suddenly immigrate, and this happens now a lot. Mm. Okay, this is the current issue that we've got in this country right now is work permits. So now what is happening, immigration is raiding businesses. You thought all these guys had work permits. Here we go. I've got them all on file. Mm -hmm. Turns out the moment immigration arrives and they go check these things, half of them are fake. Are fake. Only like, upon the company? Remember what I said earlier. You're supposed to be a tax attorney. You're supposed to be a labor attorney, mm, yes. a commercial attorney. Now you're supposed to be an immigration specialist as well. As well, mm. yeah. Okay, it's impossible for everybody to be an expert in everything. Mm. And some of the fakes are really, really good. Mm. They're really good. As people make a lot of money through this. Mm. Mm. Okay? The moment you now become aware of it, you've got to do something about it. If you were aware of it two years ago, but you just kept the guy employed, then you've got an issue. Yeah. Mm. Which happens. Yeah. Maybe. And and how would you what what type of evidence would you expect for a sick note? I mean how, how do you how do you, how does the employer so, go about so receiving the sick this? Note, the sick note again we go back to how was the sick note leave or the leave policy drafted? How well was it drafted? Okay? Because normally what happens is the sick leave policy will say this is sick leave, this is what we need on the sick note. We need a practice number. We need a cause of why you were off, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Because bringing in a sick note or a clinic note, it's not good enough. Mm. Funny enough, it's not good enough. You need to be booked off, medically incapacitated after sure. working. Mm. You weren't able to work. Now, what happens is employees go, well, I've got sick leave. I'll make an appointment and go see the clinic to get my medicine and the company must pay for the sick leave. Yeah. It's not sick leave. That's shopping. Mm. <laughs> There's retail uh, shopping, going to this game, but I'm giving you time off. I'm going to repeat leave. this, though, because I, I'm glad you said this, and this is so important. The companies out there need to make sure that you leave nothing to interpretation when it comes to what is expected on a, on a sick leave note, mm. practice number, address, etc. And that is an issue yeah. that we, you will find when investigating sick notes is that the company doesn't actually have what they want mm. so joe walks in and he supplies this piece of paper but if he really is clever or he has a representative in the union he's clever he says well show me where that's not acceptable according to the company the company doesn't even have a policy no about what is expected on a sick note. well just on in terms of that as well the company has got a right to investigate that sick note yes Okay, which you'd, we you'd be, do. You'd be surprised how few companies oh, actually do. No, no, yeah. we, we we do it because we tell them we want to investigate these signals for you. But we uh, and then you know we'll go out and send the team out there and find that you know what is the doctor's practice is in fact a Ches and Yama. And at the back is a guy who sits there and he's got a pile this big with a stamp and you know you pay quite, fifty quite bucks and or a printer or a printer yeah and you get your ID card as well while the, you're there. The printer is amazing. Yeah. It's a one-stop shop. <laughs> yeah, quite literally. But but it is it is a problem that companies do not stipulate their own requirements, mm. um, which is, and this is exactly why it's so important to have specialists like uh, Daniel here, it's to tell people it's not our rules, yeah. uh, it's not you or me saying, that, well, you know, this is where you fell short. These yeah. are requirements um, that the labor lawyers and, and representatives are going to tell you you need to have if you want to fight this. So, Daniel, at, at the end of the day, mm. your, your absolute advice is make sure that initial contract is done as thoroughly as possible. Again, another analogy for you. When you're building a house, you make sure that the foundations are right mm. before you build mm. the house. 
Now, it's exactly the same thing. Anything you're going to do in terms of employment practices has got to be built on the right documentation, the right policies, and the right procedures. It's as simple as that. Mm. Okay, Leaving I mean, nothing to the imagination. No. Well, I mean, there are certain nothing things like, for instance, sense. I don't have to put it into a policy that you can't steal from me. Yeah. Because it's, <laughs> it's common sense. Okay. <laughs> no, because it's criminal, not common, common sense. It's common sense. Okay. It's I should actually put it into a policy that common sense shouldn't apply in these yeah. cases. Yeah. But the reality of it, yeah, it's got to be built on a solid foundation. Mm. Okay. Not something like, okay, well, I'll add a toilet on a later stage. Okay. Not right now. Okay, I'll add it when I actually need one. Yeah. You're coming to the realization that you should put in a contract that because you're always going to try and play catch up. The company okay. is allowed to polygraph you whenever they want something like that. Well, I'll, I'll give you the perfect example of this. Okay, uh, in 2020, um, parental leave came out for um, for males. Mm. Okay, they said, well, if the female is getting maternity leave, then the male should also get it. Yeah. And they got 15 days. Okay? To today, you'll still have people who they sick leave or their maternity leave policies and paternal policies have not, been, not updated. been updated. Yeah. Okay? And right. they think that that 15 days is paid. It works exactly the same as maternity leave, which you have to go claim from UIF. It's not paid by the company unless your policy dictates that it is. Mm. Okay? I mean, it's simple it's, it's, things it's like small that. things. I, I've burnt, and I mean, you know, the, there's that old adage, it's, you know, they always say that. A plumber's house has the worst plumbing. Or, you and know, the shoemaker's shoe, uh, kids don't have shoes. Yeah, exactly. And I, as an investigator... And a preacher's uh, son. Yes, yeah, that's exactly. My, that's, my, that's my best. <laughs> yeah, let's not go down the road of the preacher's son. <laughs> uh, preachers for that matter. It's that's a whole new discussion for me there. Um, but it is the case then, I mean, as a business owner myself um, and as an investigator, I've bumped my head. Mm. As you know, with staff, our own staff from time to time, because we haven't updated policies and procedures and just on a simple thing like vehicles, yeah. you know, taking the vehicle and using it for your own private use over a weekend when you're not allowed to because you were using it to do an hour's work on Saturday morning comes back to bite you when it's not in your policy that, you know, you're not allowed to. And they say, well, I didn't know. Mm. So it happens. But yes, it's. Well, I mean, I'll give you an example. I just had it now where one of my clients was named one of their managers took their Bentley and crashed it. <laughs> Okay, at least I don't drop Bentley. Okay, but it, it, it happens. No, no, it does happen. It does happen. But you've got to cater for those types. I mean, if you've got company vehicles, there's got to be a company vehicle policy. policy. Mm. And okay. that policy I mean, must, be, must be worded. That common sense is taken out of it. Um, <coughs> and no, literally. And it's when you, because if you're going to bring charges against a staff member for something. In, without, Call them loud. They've got to know that, okay, well, that was there. I've signed it. Mm. And I've made that mistake. I mean, uh, I'll own it. But... Yeah, it happens. So going back to the foundations, build mm. your foundations and update them if needs be. You know, it's a pain in the ass, but you've got to do it. Yeah. Well, that's why growing a business, they call it growing pains. Growing, yep. It's not growing joys. Mm. That's point. the reality of it. I mean, it's... A <laughs> so I suppose there's labor pains. Fucking labor is pain. <laughs> so exactly. That's the way we can look at it. I think um, not only has this been uh, very informative... But I think one thing we can certainly I can take away from this, Daniel, is today's session is there's a lot more one could always talk about on these topics, and you're not going to oh, yeah. cover it in a in an hour and a half podcast. Um, but what I would like to to put out there is that advice is free, you know, and and if you're looking for a professional, 
you go out and you get advice and then you take it from there. And I think what you've done is you've dispersed and shared some hell of a significant advice here today. Um, and as I said, I mean, you talk, you know, when, when you're ingrained in your day-to-day grind, like we get, um, and we deal with these things and we deal with them, sometimes we too lose perspective on certain things. Law changes happen. Um, you keep you keep bringing up this point, you know, as a business owner, uh, you've got to be a, a, an officiando in virtually every aspect of that business, and that is true. Um, but I keep going back to the the toolbox. They have this toolbox of resources, and it's my thing that I always say, you know, to a client is you have a black book, just like all good journalists uh, have this black book of contacts. Mm. We have a black book of sources. Um, of which you are one, and your staff, many of your staff, in fact, because I obviously deal with them a lot more than mm, necessarily yeah, deal yeah, with yeah. you. But, and that is how you run effectively as best you can the sort of areas of your business that you're not the professional in. And when you're stuck in the hustle and the grind on a day-to-day basis and you feel like your head is going to explode and you don't have an answer for each thing, it makes a hell of a difference in your life health-wise mentally when you can just say you know what here's my black book who do i speak to about this and i think today more than most so far in terms of 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 what it is boardroom soldiers is trying to communicate is having you know having soldiers on your team you've indicated or you've certainly brought the point across as to why we need your line of work well i'll give you the another analogy i love analogies Okay, it's like insurance. You crash your car with insurance, you're gonna cry a little bit. Mm. Okay, it's a little bit of excess to pay. You crash your car without insurance, yeah. you're gonna cry a lot. You're gonna cry a lot. Yeah. So and it's, it's really the same. I it mean, is. who drives their car without insurance? Me. Every okay. person that now, crashes the into same. one of my cars. Every <laughs> exactly. single person that crashes into one of my oh, cars. Oh, is this a sore subject? Has no insurance. You triggered him now. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm you, no, but hey. To be honest, the last four accidents that have been involved in our vehicles, no insurance. Yeah. But anyway, that is a fight. We'll have an insurance I, I, person I, I, on the I show. I feel an insurance person coming onto the <laughs> no, show yeah, now. But with you, but with you, I'm, bringing, I'm, bringing you back. I'm bringing you back for this, and uh, you're going to have it out with them. But no, as I said, I, it, it, I'm a big believer in the black book of sources and having established network of, of whether it's friends or whether it's allies, it doesn't matter. You, you've got to have people in your, on your side. The specialists. I think it, yeah, specialists. Yeah. And I think my view is Invictus is exactly that. Um, and I work and have worked for years now with your staff, who I've always found professional, always. Thanks. And they come in, and whether they've dealt with disciplinaries, etc., in my business, or whether they've dealt with disciplinaries on behalf of our clients, um, and we, we push, we push. I mean, I, yeah, here's Pierre. I, I, I like to tell clients, please do not do this on your own. If you're going down this road, get an independent specialist. In. Mm. And I'm never going to deviate from that. I've seen the importance of it. I've seen how that turns a case in your favor or against your favor is not having someone with knowledge. And versus doing it without. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. That's what, as that. And trying to wing it on their own. Yeah, uh, using the young twenty-five-year-old lady from HR mm. uh, now trying to deal with this matter. So I think you've you've made you've, you you hopefully you've re-strengthened my view 
on the importance of it. And I think a lot of people who listen to this will now understand. Having said that, though, how do people contact Invictus going forward? Where you're on social media, for example. We're on social media. We're on every social media out there. As Invictus? So, uh, Invictus Group. Invictus Group. Yeah. So, okay. the, the website is www.invictusgroup.ca. Okay. And, okay. and the same applies to Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, you name it. So, the articles are released every week. There's a mailing list that you can uh, subscribe awesome. to. You can go to the website. Mm. All the articles are posted there awesome. as well. Um, the, and, you know, it's po- posted there for free. Okay? We're not looking to make, you know, we're not selling paper. Mm. Okay? The information that's out there is obviously to benefit employers 100%. and employees at the same time. Mm. Um, it's not just about the employers. No, no, yeah, that's a good Fair point. Fair procedure protects everybody. Yeah, no. that's a good point. Okay, I mean, if an employee is not going to get disciplined for following the right procedure either. No. You, it's you, as simple you, you as that. You make a valid point there. Yeah. I and I think this is where people get it a, a lot wrong, is that, you know, an employee that hasn't done anything wrong is not being disciplined. Mm. Okay, mm. There, there's still the master-servant relationship as uh, the Roman law dictated it uh, how many years ago? That still applies here. Both parties have to, you know, exchange their uh, uh, services for cash or money, whatever the case may be, and it still applies. You mentioned to me just before the show started that you've had an uptake in business in the nightclub industry of late, or the, the, well, not, the club, just, the club. Not, not just the nightclub industry, but also in business in general. Okay. So we can actually see quite a so big you've seen growth. A growth. Growth. Of new money coming into new businesses. Mm. Um, so, you know, on a ground level, you can normally see what the economy is like. You can be told by every economist that the economy is terrible and this, etc. But when you're seeing the growth on ground level where people are opening businesses, and I mean, especially in something that is considered a luxury, like the nightclub life mm. and mm-hmm. restaurants, etc., still seen as a luxury. Mm. Okay, the money is still there. People still are still there. spending. It's still there. Question for you. Sex worker. Mm. Gets paid as a shit pump. Can the client uh, dismiss and get their money back? They normally employ it as independent contractors, so you're not <laughs> going to do a poor work performance there. Are you? <laughs> Just thought maybe there's a line of work for you guys there. Right? Well, maybe <laughs> if they're employed by one of the strip clubs and uh, you know their striptease is not up to standard, then That's maybe you, know, you want to do a poor work for a shit show. Do I get there. my money back? <laughs> Daniel, before closing, I just want to again thank you from my side. Um, our relationship has been going a good few years now, and I know it will continue. Absolutely, um, 100%. We just, from our side, brought a little box there for you as, as a guest on our oh, that's boardroom nice. soldiers. Um, you can go ahead and open it. Um, Great. You can just uh, open it at the camera. Can I know you, uh, you, um, you don't drink, but you are sort of profound to Prime and Bolton, so we, uh, there's some more Prime for you. And a Big shout out to Prime, by the way. <laughs> if, you, if you feel Paul's like, if you feel like sponsoring you know, you're, someone. Yeah, yeah. yeah, good point. Put it out there. Yeah. Um, but thank you very much. Um, Thanks yeah, so much. I appreciate it. Side? Yeah, no, uh, if you want to reach us on our socials, uh, Boardroom Soldiers, and uh, our website, www dot investigators.co.za or you can obviously contact us on zero double one eight two four zero double three four. There we go. And th- yeah, that's it from our side. All right. Well as I said to the two of you, thanks. It's always like having a, a chat. 
Friday afternoon. We've got Springbok rugby tomorrow. And uh, let's get home safe. And thank you. Thank, thank you, it's, you, Daniel. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you. Another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.